Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. I'm going to get straight into the Word of God. I'm just excited to teach you some things today. Um, the Word that I have for you today is titled, Called to This. Called to This. And I want you to know that you are called to a lot of things. And many of us, we, our heart's desire in this day and age is to be living in purpose, right? Isn't, isn't that true? We want to know why was I born? What, what, what am I called to? What's God's purpose for my life? How do I live this destiny out? How do I live God's best in my life? And I believe I'm going to share something very simple, but if you really hear this with with a heart of just humility, it's going to really set some things in order for all the things that you're called to. I want to start with something very, very basic, but if you really receive it, it's going to build and allow you to be in the know as to what you're called to in life in general. But you are called. You are called. And I want you to know that um, the very first thing you're called to really is your call to Christ. And many of us, most of us, we've already answered that call. We've said yes to Jesus, right? And there's two main things I want to just bounce to you and, and kind of get you to really think about. Two main aspects of your calling. You're called first and foremost to Christ, to have a relationship with him. So you're called to Jesus, okay? And then secondly, you're called to community. You're called to the local church. Now that might seem limiting. That might seem like, well, that's it. But let me tell you something. That is the springboard for every other calling that you will get in life. You're called to these two things. You're called to Christ and you're called to community. You're called to, I say, I'm called to Christ and I'm called into community. I want you to think about that for a second because I think a lot of times what we are gunning for is, okay, cool, cool. I believe in Jesus. I go to church, but you know, what am I really called to? I think we go too far and we miss certain things. You're called to Jesus. He is the destination. He is the big idea. He is where it all starts and ends. It's not like, okay, I got Jesus. Now you're a means to an end. You're, you're there to kind of help me see the bigger picture. No, he is the big picture. This is your calling. You're called to relationship with Jesus. You're called to be in unity with him. You're called to have fellowship with him. And you're called to community. You're called to the local church. Someone say the local church. Okay, when you think about that, because we today have a lot of people who think that it's okay to be saved, to know Jesus, but not go to church. That is a falsehood. It's not the Bible. It is not Jesus. It's equivalent to saying, I like you, I just don't like your spouse. 
You understand what that means? I mean, imagine someone says, you're cool, I can't stand your husband, though. I mean, if you have a healthy marriage, that's not going to sit well with you. Now, if you have a bad marriage, you'll be like, okay, I know, you know. No, but if you, if you really love your husband, you'll be like, well, listen, um, we can't really be cool if you're not cool with who I'm in love with. Jesus is in love with his church. Jesus is in love with the gathering of his people. Jesus is, the Bible says that the body of Christ, he is married to the church. He is, we are the body. And to say, I like Jesus, but church, I'm not really down with, that is not consistent with the heart of God. So I want you to know, you're called to two things. What are you called to? And that's the fundamental points of your calling. Your call to Christ and your call to community. Now, what does the word church, and I've taught this before, so hopefully you remember. What does the word church mean? Because it's a Greek word. It has a specific meaning. What does the word church mean? Anybody know? Man, okay. What's that? Okay, so let me tell you what church means. It's, we, we look at it as a spiritual word, right? But it's, I want to kind of demystify the term church. Matter of fact, the very first time the word church is used in the Bible is when Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, right? I will build my church. So church is something, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but church is something that Jesus came up with, okay? And, and I know church is more than just the building. We get that. But it includes that. Why? Because church, the literal meaning of church means called out. Called out. And in a civic setting, it really meant the assembling of people together for a meeting. That's really what it was. The word church meant when the community came together to meet they were having a church. They were having church, right? Didn't necessarily mean worship per se. Any kind of gathering, any kind of civic gathering, if you were called to this, hey, we're having a meeting. In other words, we are having church. That's what the word church means. It means to be called out into something, into a gathering of people for a specific purpose. And that's what church means. And I want you to know that in the realm of the spirit, first you are called out of something. The Bible says that we are called out of darkness. I'll read that to you. First Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. What are you? You are a royal priesthood. What are you? You are a holy nation. What are you? His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out. Who called you what? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were called out of something and you were brought into something. That's a spiritual dynamic. But in essence, you were called into church. You were called out and you were called to be a part of a larger thing, the body of Christ. 
And this is what it means to be part of Jesus and part of a local assembly. You're not just saved just to live this life on your own and just to kind of, you know, figure it out and to once in a while stop in and hear a word and go online and listen to Joel Osteen and listen to your favorite preacher and then, you know, say a prayer every once in a while and every once in a while I come in and I just, no, 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 no. That's not what God has for you. He has called you out into the, out of the world into Jesus and he's called you into his body into fellowship, all right? We'll see this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But now God has set, somebody say set. He has set the members, talking about the members of his body, the people who have received them. He has positioned them, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Just as what? So God, and calling you into the body of Christ, right? And this is multifaceted. It's not just the local church. It's also the calling of the gifts that he's given you, the function that you're going to have in the, in the body of Christ, whether you're going to be a preacher, whether you're going to be a singer, whether you're going to be this, whether you're going to be that, an engineer, whatever the Lord wants to call you to do, this is how he does it. He sets you in the body for a specific purpose. But part of that is he calls you into a local assembly, he calls you into being a part of a church. And so I don't really talk like this often because I think I even have been guilty of, you know, coming into this newfound freedom where, you know, you don't ever want to make people feel like, hey, you got to go to church. You got to be in church every Sunday, you know, because I, I grew up in that environment. I grew up in the environment where you got to be in church every single Sunday. And if you miss a Sunday, you backslidden. You know, something was wrong with you. And I know better than that. But sometimes you can throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you can go too far the other side. And you make it like, hey, it doesn't matter. Jesus loves you anyway. No, it matters. God is called. This is part of your calling. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because I sense in the spirit the reason why many of us sometimes are not kind of flowing in life the way we're called to it's because we're missing this fundamental element. We're not enjoying and rooted in the fundamental call of being part of a local church. I'm not talking about identifying with the church. Like, yeah, when I go to church, I go there. Or when I go to church, I go here. That's my church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when your heart is grafted in, you're part of the fellowship, part of the life, you are part of what God is doing here, that is a fundamental piece to flowing in destiny. Can somebody say amen? amen. Very, very important. So church isn't something, this is very important, if you could write this down as we put on the screen for you, church isn't something you are a part of out of convenience. It's something you are a part of out of calling. Let me show you how this works. I've shared this before. Sometimes when people move out of the state and they go to, say, you know, Atlanta, and that always seems to be like the, the, the place to go, or North Carolina or California, wherever you go, right? They'll move, right? And then the very last thing they consider once they're settled, once they have their house, once they know what school their kids are going to, once they have their job, once their neighborhood is all set, okay, the very last question question they ask themselves is, oh, what churches are around here? 
And it shows me that we kind of live our lives oftentimes with spiritual foundations on the back burner, and we put a high premium on the job market, the housing market, the good school market. All those things are really important. We'll set those things in place, and once those things are there, okay, I wonder what's around here as far as my spiritual development. Why do we do this? Because we often don't see where you go as part of your calling. We look at it as part of where I go because it's convenient. It's in my neighborhood. It's part of, you know, it's, it's just easy to go to. But God is saying something different. I've called you to a place for a purpose because where you go will have a huge impact on what you believe, how you live, the relationships you form, the things I want to do in your life. And so don't go out of a sense of convenience. Go out of a sense of calling. And so before you, and, we'll, and even later on today, you know, we'll, we'll receive people who feel led to be here. But I want you to know that's the key word. Do you feel led? Somebody say led. Is God calling you? Is this something that God is saying, yes, this is where I want you to be? Because if not, and if it's something else, it's because I like the worship team or, you know, the hospitality team is great and I like this and I like that and this is cool. These things can change, but calling doesn't. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So where you're called to, the church you go to, is not out of convenience, is out of calling. Is this good news? You guys, you guys like me? Am I, am I okay? Okay. Now, this is going to really resonate with you. Let me talk about purpose. Because we love talking about purpose. You, you, you remember when you were a kid and your mom called you? Maybe she was upstairs and you were downstairs, maybe you were watching TV, you know, and you were like into something, and she called you, and then you yelled out, what? Now, if you, if you grew up, <laughs> if you grew up in a kind of home that, you know, that wasn't acceptable, you can kind of know what to expect after that. You don't say, what? What did your parents expect you to do? Yeah. They expected you to answer the call before they told you what. And I want you to see there's a difference between calling and purpose. And many of us, we want to know the purpose of God's call. So we're like, what? <laughs> what do you want? And God is like, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Answer the call. Yes, Lord. That's how you answer the call. Yes, Lord. And you come to him. And you stand before him. And the word is yes. You called? Yes, I did. What happens? Now God begins to reveal the purpose of his call. And too many times we want to know the purpose. 
Lord, before I go, before I say yes, before I do this, before I make myself available, I'm asking you, what is the purpose? What do you want me to? No, no, no. I'll tell you the what once you say yes to the call. Thank you, Jesus. Purpose is revealed when the call is answered. Oh, that's really good. I'm getting excited. Purpose is revealed when the call is answered. And you may think, I answered the call. I said yes to Jesus. No, 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 no. Answering the call is about posture. It's not about coming to Jesus. Yes, Lord, I receive you as Lord and Savior. But it's, like I said, when your parents called you, you didn't just say, what? You know, you came, if you, you know, had that kind of a mom and dad, you came and presented yourself to them and waited to know why they called you. But a lot of times we do what we sometimes do with our parents. We'll yell out to God, what? I know you're calling me. What do you want? But we're not presenting ourselves to him. Presenting yourself to the Lord speaks of posture, waiting, emptying yourself, stopping something. Maybe you were in the middle of a video game. Again, to use the same analogy, you have to literally pause that, stop that, turn that TV off. You need to be inconvenienced. You need to step away from what you're doing. That's how you answer the call. But a lot of times, no, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing and ask the Lord what, and you're frustrated not knowing your purpose because you think you've answered the call, but you haven't. You're waiting for purpose, and God is like, no, before purpose is revealed, you must say yes to the call. I see many people here saying yes to the call in Jesus' name. Colossians 3, verse 3 to 4, for you died. Somebody said, I died. You may think, well, I'm, I'm alive. No, you're, you're dead. The old you has died. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When I said yes to the call on my life, I, I, I said it like a brat. I, 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 I shared the story before, but I shared it like I, I said it to God like a brat. I remember I was sitting in my bedroom floor. I was praying, and I was maybe around 20 years old at the time. And I just kept hearing in my spirit, accept your call, accept your call. And I knew what the Lord was saying. And I kind of did not want to. You know, many of you know my story. I grew up in church. My father's a pastor. I didn't like going to church. Now, at this stage of my life, I was good with church. I was, I, I was, I was in a different environment. I was learning. So I was kind of being exposed to certain things. And I kept hearing my spirit, accept your call, accept your call. And I knew I wasn't accepting it. I was involved in church, but I wasn't accepting it. I was excited about being a Christian, but I wasn't accepting it. I knew there was something deeper the Lord was saying, I need your yes on this. I remember saying, fine, Lord, I'll do it, I'll do it, fine. <laughs> Just like a little brat. And I didn't know, it's the funny thing, I didn't know that I would be a pastor. I didn't think I'd be a pastor. Even at that moment, the call of God on my life was Make yourself available for ministry, and then I will share the purposes of my call as you are obedient going forward. So now I'm like, oh, that's the purpose of this. Oh, that's the purpose of that. Oh, that's why this. Oh, I didn't know all of these things until I said yes. 
So I like the scripture, Colossians 3, and it says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In order for you to find out the purposes of your call, you need to live a life that resembles death. You got to bury your own personality, bury what you want, bury what you like, bury your own opinion, bury your own timetable, bury your own culture, bury what is comfortable for you. You have to live a life that as if you're dead to these things. None of those things matter. None of those things matter. This is what it means to die to yourself. Where you don't make your comfort, your timetable, your culture, your persuasion, what you like to hear, the things that you're involved in, or the things that, no, that doesn't matter. Lord, what are you saying to me? I'm presenting. Now, purpose, again, doesn't have to be your call to the ministry full time. It doesn't have to be all that. But it could be very simple as the way I want you to flow in your home, how I want you to care for your kids. Answer the call. There are certain things I want to do with you even in your career. Answer the call. Stop going to school. Start going to school. Change courses. Change what you're doing. Yes, Lord, whatever it is. But this is going to set me back. Oh, well. Let it set you back. Nah, I worked, I worked hard to be where I'm at. Yeah, but are you fulfilling destiny? Because in the end, that is the only thing that will matter. Glory to God. I said this earlier, but let me give you a scripture here. Church isn't a man-made institution. It's God-ordained. Somebody say, it's God-ordained. God Remember, you're called to Christ and you're called into community. Answer those two calls and purpose will be revealed. And one of the first things I want you to understand is that God is the one who ordained church, not man. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build. Who will build? Man? No, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build, I will build the church. You know, one thing that dawned on me, and I, I love to, to really paint this picture very clearly, Jesus went to church, and church was not a pristine place. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, I don't go to church because there's some things I don't like about it. Guess what? Jesus went to church, and there were some things he didn't like about it either. But he still went. He dealt with hypocrites. He dealt with religious hypocrites. He dealt with people that weren't doing what they were supposed to do. But he was there. I want you to really understand it. He was there. So you have to understand that when you are positioned in this call, it's not out of convenience, not because you like every single thing that's going on. It's because you're called to this. Someone say, I'm called to this. Always remember that. You're called to this. Jesus dealt with uncomfortable situations in church, and I've seen this so many times, and we talk about it now a lot. It's called church hurt, right? Church hurt. Guess what? There's work hurt, right? But you go to work, right? There's restaurant hurt, but you go to restaurants, right? I mean, ever had bad waiters before? 
I mean, think about it. You ever had a bad waiter and said, you know, I'm never going to a restaurant anymore. No, I'm going to eat. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> There's a lot of different kinds of hurt. So understand that going to church, yes, you may be hurt. Why? Because church is not a place that guarantees that you won't be hurt. I think a lot of times we get discouraged in going to church because we have false expectations of what it's for. Church is not a place where you go because you agree with everything. You go to church to become in agreement with God. You may not agree with every single thing. So what? That's not the purpose of church. You don't go to church because you like everything, because I'm in agreement with everything, because I'm never hurt. No, no, you go because this is a place where you will be fed, where you will be challenged to grow, where you also step out of just being these things, but you're also giving off these things. You go to be a blessing to others. So don't let the world philosophy trick you and tell you and lie to you to tell you that it's not necessary. If Jesus thought it was necessary and he was there and he, and think about it, Paul, Paul dealt with some crazy people in the church. Paul dealt with people that, this is, I'm, I'm gonna be, it's in the Bible, so don't get mad at me. Paul dealt with someone who was sleeping with his stepmother. And what made matters worse, the church knew about it. And he said, you should be rebuking this person. But instead, you're kind of parading around like, yeah, you know, this is cool. Think about that. A guy with his stepmom in the open. Paul was dealing with the church, and he had people in the church that were practicing things that resembled idolatry. He had to deal with a lot of things. I like to say it this way. We talk about 1 Corinthians. I like to to call it 1 Corrections because that book, Paul is correcting so much. He's dealing with people who are carnal. He calls them carnal, fighting, saying, hey, I'm with you, and I'm with you, and I'm with... He says, guys, don't you know that you're carnal? But what does he do? He corrects, and he still makes it clear you need to be there. Why? Church is not a place you go to because you like everything. It's not a place you go to because you're never hurt. It's not a place you go to because your preacher is the best preacher in town. You go to it because you're called to it. Yeah, I only heard three amens on that, but that's okay. (laughs) You go to it because you're called to it. Let me share a few things about church and how um, being in church community affects your life. Favor flows in church community. Somebody say favor flows in church community. This is a picture here we see in Acts 2, 46 to 47. So continuing daily. Somebody say daily. This is old school revival. When you went to church daily. (laughs) No, but continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily 
those who were being saved. Having favor. Somebody say having favor. God wants the people of God in local church community to enjoy favor, goodwill, grace one to another. Now, just by a show of hands, especially if you've been here for a while, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of paint this out for you. Who here can think of a relationship or a relationship that you have here? It could be a friend. It could be even, even a significant other. But they connected you to something, right, that was a blessing. They connected you to, like, man, this person, if I didn't know this person, this would have not happened. Anybody? Raise your hand high. Praise God. That's amazing. That's what you call favor. It's what you call favor. Now, to be fair, to be clear, there are other communities in the world, right? There's other clubs, there's other fraternities, there's sororities, but there's something special about the church community. And God designed it such that when we are coming together in fellowship, in worship, and instruction, favor should flow one to another. Life should get easier when you're connected in the body of Christ. I was reading an article just the other day, and it mentioned how, it gave a statistic how people who go to church, people who are part of a faith community, are statistically happier than those who don't. I don't think that's by accident. Why? When you're in relationship and community, in a faith-based community like this, favor flows. Number two, you are positioned to bless others in church community. Hebrews 10. Look at verse 24 to 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking. Somebody say, not forsaking. All right. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Notice the next thing. It says, as is the manner of some as is the manner of some. In other words, even then, there were some that were forsaking the assembling of themselves. This is a very real life thing. People will, you will, feel at times the urge to forsake. This is the reason why Scripture is telling you don't forsake, and this is why it's even pointing to the fact that some have forsook, because you will sometimes come to a point in your life where you will feel, eh, I want to do life on my own. I'm kind of tired of the church thing. I'm, I, don't need to, I don't need to go to church to hear from God. I don't need to go to church to pray. I don't need this. You will face those thoughts. You will face that, that temptation. This is why we're told by Scripture, don't forsake. Don't fall into that trap. And one of the reasons why is what I just read. It says, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You go to church not just for yourself. You go for others. It's not just about what you can receive. I can't emphasize this more than what I'm emphasizing. It's not just about what you can receive. You come in order to stir up love and good works. And if you live in that cycle of giving and receiving, giving and receiving, and let me, let me talk about the receiving part, because some of you, you give, but you don't receive. You can't go far like that. 
So we have two people in the room, maybe three. We have that kind of person that gives and gives and gives and gives, but they don't receive. We have that person that receives and receives and receives, and they don't give. That third person is what we all should be like. That person is giving and receiving. You cannot just be a giver. You will grind yourself down to a halt. And you cannot just be a receiver. I come to receive. The word was great. Music was great. Everything was great. Praise the Lord. Everything is great. You will grind yourself to a halt also. You need to have the balance of receiving and giving. That's how you live a life of purpose. Let me give you this one. You will flourish even in old age in church community. I love the fact that this scripture we're going to read right now, Psalm 92, it emphasizes old age. And I didn't really appreciate it until I really thought about it some more. And I realized, hmm, God is giving us a picture here. Because most people have an image in their mind that when they are of a certain age, they're going to stop producing. Do you realize that that's not the kingdom of God? I, I got to do a little bit more research on this, but I believe... I believe, uh, if, my, if my memory serves me correctly, that Hitler, when he was rising in power and he was indoctrinating the Germans, one of the things that he instituted was the thinking that when you reach a certain age, the age of 65, is when you're no longer useful to society. And somehow that trickled down into a larger thought where we have 65 as the age of retirement. And if, you're, if, you, if you judge your life, if you judge how you kind of think, maybe you fall into that trap where you kind of map your life out in increments of 20. Okay, I'm 40 now, so I got a good 20, 25 years, I retire, you know, or oh, I'm this age, or oh, I'm 40, or oh, I'm this, I'm that, you know, and you start to kind of plan out when I'm 65. Ah, let's call it 70, I can push out another five years. When I'm 70 years old, I should be, I should be good. And, we somehow subtly have a mindset that when you have a certain age, you stop cranking it out. But look at the scripture. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are what? Say it loud. Those who are what? Verse 14, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I love that. Anybody want to be fresh and flourishing? Fresh and flourishing, bearing fruit in old age, that all speaks to someone who is planted. 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 A tree cannot bear fruit unless it's what? Planted. If it's planted, it's planted in good soil. It's not thinking about moving here and moving there. No tree is like, this is where I'm at. I'm planted. What ends up happening? It ends up bearing fruit even in old age, even in old age, you're called to Christ, and you're also called to community. The calling comes before the purpose is revealed. I believe, as I started when I first began to tell you, those two things, those two things, call to Christ, call to community, is what you need to settle in your heart before anything else is revealed. 
anything else is revealed. It's in community that you are in safety. It's in community where you're grafted into the body of Christ, where God can lead people to pray for you and cover you in ways that you would not imagine. It's in community that God will that he will expose the things that pertain to your destiny. It's in community that you will hear prophetic words one to one from another. That's why you'll see throughout scripture one to another, one to another. That all happens in the space of community. So this is why we people of God, we have to fight the urge to get into this mode of just doing life alone. No, no, no. That is of the evil one. That is not part of your destiny. That is not what's going to cause you to live your best life. You're called to this in Jesus' name. You're called to this. Let me just end here. If it wasn't for the church, let me just show you how. I'm going to name this message, actually, the best thing on earth. <laughs> I really believe the church is the best thing on earth. Watch what happens when the church is no longer here. And now I'm talking about the universal church, right? The church all around the world. I want you to know that throughout history, the church history, the church has always been in persecution from the very beginning till now. We live in America. We live in the year 2019. I want you to understand that that context is very, very small compared to church history. It's very, very small. If you look at church history from, the, from its inception to now and you look at it worldwide, the church has always been predominantly under persecution, not just pockets of persecution. More Christians are persecuted than not. This is why we're told, remember those who are in chains. There are people right now that are dying because they're Christian. There are people right now who are persecuted because they're Christian. This is a worldwide phenomenon. And I ask myself, why is that? So you have those kinds, you have that kind of persecution, that, that, that real serious persecution, right? Then you have ideologues, ideologues that will tell you that the church is not necessary. It's not important. And when I think about that, why do we constantly face that kind of messaging? Why do we face that kind of attack? It's because I believe in the realm of the spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist knows what would happen when people truly discover the value of what they truly are a part of? This is why, and you've heard me say this, if I have a few pet peeves, please bear with me when I get on my soapbox, but it really grinds my gears when we, I see Christians like mocking the things of church online or even debating in a manner that exposes the body of Christ to the world who cannot appreciate the nuances and the truths of the Word of God. And we, we constantly put things out there as if we don't appreciate who we are. 
I want you, not just for Life Church, I'm not talking about just Life Church here. I'm talking about just the church as a whole. Be proud of the body of Christ. It truly is the best thing on earth. Because when it's no longer here, watch what happens. Watch what happens. There is coming a time when the body of Christ, the church as a whole, will no longer be a presence on the earth. And that time period is revealed to be a time period of great tribulation, where widespread revelation is not easy. Now we can go online, google.com, Bible Gateway, we can go here, turn on here, turn on that. We, we, we're, we're fat over the conveniences of what we have. Praise God for it. I, don't, I, I like it. I'm not trying to, you know, reject it. But if you're not careful, you start taking certain things for granted. You know what? I, I didn't even plan to say this. Let me try to, I, I, I want to read something to you um, that really blessed me. Um, because I think, I think this even happens even when it comes to the Bible. Even myself, I'd be like, man, I, I need to treasure the, the, the Bible better. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I got like Bibles everywhere. You know what I mean? And I remember one time I was at my desk, you know, and I had my foot up. The Bible was right there. I was like, my goodness, how, how did I get to a place where... I could use the Bible. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not proud to admit it, but it's, it's true. I was using it as a footstool just to balance my chair. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I know that's not good, but I'm going to be honest with you. Right? And it, it, it convicted me. Like, there are people, man, there are people who desperately want the written word of God. I wish I could show something to you. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to say any of this, so... There's a video where the Bible is being brought to a village that has never had the Bible before. They never had, we take it for granted that the Bible's in English, it's in Spanish, it's in French, it's in whatever language. Oh, I don't like this version, I like the ESV, I like the, I get the NKG. You know, we, we can kind of scroll all this. There are people, there are places in the world who don't have it. And I remember seeing this video where uh, the, the, the Bible was finally translated in the native language of this particular area. And the people were weeping and they were crying that finally we have the word of God. In this community, you can tell the richness of its faith was so proud that finally we can read the word of God. That's beautiful. And this thing came to me. Let me just see if I can find it because I, I think it's really a real powerful thing that uh, someone that I follow on Facebook shared. Uh, let's see if I can find it really quick. Just bear with me, please. Here we go. In his book, The Wonder of the Word of God, Robert L. Sumner tells of a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. The man's face was badly disfigured, and he lost his eyesight as well as both hands. He was just a new Christian. And one of his greatest disappointments was that he could no longer read the Bible. Then he heard about a lady in England who read Braille with her lips. Hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille. Much to his dismay, however, he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been destroyed by the explosion. One day, as he brought one of the braille pages to his lips, 
his tongue happened to touch a few of the raised characters, and he can feel them. Like a flash, he thought, I can read the Bible using my tongue. At the time Robert Sumner wrote his book, the man had read through the entire Bible four times. This reminds us that when we really want to know the will of God, we can find a way. Now is a great time to start a pursuit of the knowledge of God. Isn't that beautiful? Like the, determine, the, the determination that someone would have to know God. I believe the reason why sometimes we're not as desperate and hungry is because, I hate to say it this way, because we're full. Full of options, full of whatever. But when something is taken from you, when something is no longer available to you, and I'm going to even bring it in the context of a local community, when you, don't, when you don't have a local community of believers that are there for you, you start to appreciate it differently. God in his wisdom called you to Christ and he called you to community. You will live your best life. You will live your best life when you posture yourself having received that call. I want to pray for those who may not know the Lord right now. If you can, bow your head. I know this is a sobering message, but I just want you to really hear the heart of God on this. I want to call you first and foremost to Christ. Maybe you're here and you have not committed your life to Jesus. Now is the time to do so. Now is the time to do so. You may ask, okay, what, 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 what does that mean? What do I, or how do I do that? You know, what, is it necessary? Yes, it is necessary. He's the one who died for your sins. He's the one who is Lord. He wants to be Lord over your life. He's alive today. You need to submit your heart to him. I'm going to be very bold when I say this because the scripture says it. He's not even asking you. He's commanding you to repent. He's commanding you to say, I must change and I can't change myself, I must have Jesus change me, and I'm going to receive him for that. So if that's you, if you know that you have not received the Lord, this moment is for you. I want you to just keep your head bowed, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This is called a salvation prayer. It's a time where you ask him into your life. Say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your son, Jesus as Lord. I believe he died for me, he rose the third day, and he's alive. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Amen. And, you know, folks, I want to let you know that's a very simple thing you did, but it's a very powerful thing you did. And I like to say it this way, it's simple because Jesus did the hard work. He did the hard work. Let us help you grow. So how you can do that, let us know that you've made that decision. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, do anything. But if you can let us know that you've made that decision by taking that same connection card, if you need another one, just raise your hand. We'll be happy to serve you with one. If you need a pen, um, we'll be happy to serve you with one. But we want you to let us know that you made that decision. Yeah. Let us know that you made that decision by checking off that box. I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Praise God. The second thing I want to invite you to 
I want to invite you to community. I want to invite you to this local church. Church is important. I think I've preached that enough today. But now I want to ask you to respond to the word. Here at Life Church, there are things that we desire to see in our vision for this church is to see four main things. Okay? We want to see people serving in church. We want to see, we believe that while you serve in church, uh, this gives you an opportunity to discover God's purposes, God's plans, how God wants to use you. You know what? Um, okay, never mind. So that this is something that I want you to really consider. Is, is it possible that as you serve, and you, you may not have discovered all that there is to know about your, you know, when, when, when we talk about serving in church, I'm not asking you to come to a resolution that this is what I was born to do. I was born to, you know, it may not be that. But when you have a heart for the church, what happens is that wherever there is a need, wherever you have the ability to serve, you make yourself available. And then it just becomes something that connects you to something else. So we're not asking you to discover what you were born to do in the church. No, it's just that I want to help in whatever way I can. So one of the things that we want to see people connected to is serving in church. Two, we want you to be a leader at home. And so if you could put the vision of our church, Sabine, I appreciate that. You'll see, these, you'll see this very clear, leaders at home. One of the things that I talk a lot about is home life and relationships and, um, you know, how, how God wants to shape you um, as a father, as a mother, as a son, as a daughter in your own home. And so one of the big things that we're passionate about is that your home life will be all that God intended it to be. This is what he intends, that you serve a church, that you're a leader at home, that you are embraced by your community, not just this community, but anywhere that God would call you to be that you experience the favor of God. And specifically, even at work, which is the last part, that you're successful at work. We believe that God wants to prosper you with whatever he's called you to. Our vision is that, that you will be clear about God's intentions for your life. Amen? So I talk a lot about purpose. I talk a lot about what God will call you to, how you live out that purpose. And these are the four areas that you're going to hear a lot about. And I believe that as you submit to this local house, these are the things that will be true for you in Jesus' name. You will be successful at work. It's not just a statement that I put on the screen. It's what I pray for. I pray, Lord, bless your people that they will be, uh, they will be bountiful at what you've called them to. Bless them. It's not just a statement that we put on the screen. I pray for your family. We pray, Lord, may their families be intact. Let peace be in their home. Amen. Give them favor with those that they need favor with. Give them grace to minister according to their calling. Right? So these are things that we believe are very, very important, near and dear to the heart of God. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.